0: Good, man. Hope you're doing good in Montgomeryville. If you're joining us online as well, uh, we are in week number two. Uh, we're going to jump right in of the sermon series we're calling Seasons. Uh, I told you last week, the goal is I want you to be an all-weather Christian. I want you to understand uh, that life is filled with, with seasons, ups and downs, good seasons, bad seasons. 2023 might be your best year yet. It also might be your worst year yet. You tra- tra- like I-, I wanted to do a sermon where it's like, the best is yet to come. Or the worst is yet to come. You could get a raise this year, you could get a demotion. You could get pregnant, you could lose a child. You could have the healthiest year of your life, you could get a report and that you're, that you're dying. Like th- th- that's the way that life works. You, you can meet the person you're gonna marry, you could break up with the person that you thought you were gonna marry. Like, this is life. Life is filled with seasons. So what I want is I want to prepare you to be what I would call an all-weather Christian. And just so you know, like, I'm not making this up. It's all through Scripture. Watch what it says in Psalms 74. It says, the day is yours, and yours also the night. Both the day and the night. You established the sun, and you established the moon. If you were, if it was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both the summer, and everybody tell me what that other word says, Now, if there was a season that was made by Satan, I know it feels like, because hell's hot, like, it's like, well, it should be summer, but I would say winter is Satanic. Anybody else? Like, it just, it don't feel right. Like, I prayed today that it would be extra cold, since I'm preaching on winter, and we could have a five cents experience, and so it's freezing outside. Like, if you don't come to, to Phoenixville, you know, we don't see each other often. Like, uh, I like to stand up by the front when you guys are walking in and kind of shake, you know, shake hands, high five, judge you, see how you are for the day, see what kind of crowd I'm going to preach to, you know, stuff like that. And so I'm already building the case if it's going to be bad or good. And so you guys are pretty good today, I'm not going to lie. And, uh, but you'll notice if you come, come to this, this campus specifically, like, there's a, there's a point in the weather where I stop going outside. Like, I'll go outside till it's about 60 degrees. Once it's below 60 degrees, I'm staying in the warmth. Anybody else? I'm not messing my hair up. I'm not getting a red nose. Like I'm not going out to the cold. I'm gonna do everything I can to stay in the cold. In fact, some of you are on the parking lot team and uh, I was introduced today to jackets that have batteries that are heating up. Did you guys see those yet? We're gonna make that happen for you guys, right? We're gonna make that happen. We're gonna get somebody pulled out a Milwaukee. Let me tell you, this was the most manly jacket. It was a Milwaukee jacket. And I said, Is that thing on heated? He said, Yeah. And he pulled out a little miniature red Milwaukee battery that he like, that is legit, right? Like, and so, like, we're, we're gonna make that happen. I hate winter. I'm gonna do everything I can to stay in the warmth. And here's the problem when it comes to spir- your spiritual life. Um, winter's a part of it. Winter, winter to me, is one of the most difficult seasons. So we're going to kind of follow the the seasons now. And so we'll start in winter. Next week, we'll get to spring. We'll talk to you about what what it looks like to start something and step out in faith. And then we're going to get to summer, which seems like the best season, but it's actually the most difficult season spiritually to handle uh, because oftentimes it takes us farther away from God because nothing ruins like success, right? And so, and the last, the last week, we're going to talk about suffering and fall, what it looks like to walk with God through seasons where uh, He's taking things away from you. And what, what does that look like? But today I want to talk to you about winter. And the reason winter is so difficult is it tends to be a challenging season with very, that seems very long and you see very little. You ever do that in your yard? Like I'll go out and look at my yard and I'll flash back to just a few weeks prior, months prior... Kids running around, leaving balls out everywhere, never putting them away, running over baseballs with my riding mower, you know, the dream season, right? And uh, uh, sitting out on my deck and having fires on cooler nights and, you know, uh, stuff looking nice, mulch being new. Like you see this yard and it once was this beautiful place for you to relax. And now, if you're honest, just looks like crap. Everything's dead, everything's falling apart. You're looking at your deck and the amount of work you're going to have to do in just a few short weeks when spring comes because it's filled with stuff from trees and you hate trees, right? And There's not a whole lot of growth going on. Your perfect yard looks barren. Your your kids are no longer going outside, which means they're inside, right? (laughs) And it just feels like a really dark season. Here's what winter feels like spiritually. Moments of darkness, not knowing what to do next, asking God but not having a clear answer. You ever been there? Not seeing any real growth, trying but not seeing any real, real spiritual growth. It's in these seasons many times you feel the stagnant heart. If I'm honest, it's in winter where God feels often the most silent. You ask for something and He's yet to answer it. And here's the problem with winter is winter without a deep trust in the goodness of God can bring hopelessness. When you go through winter and you don't have a deep trust in a sovereign good God that has intended all seasons for your life, for your good, ultimately for his glory through your life, then when you go through something that feels deathly and stagnant and dark and you can't find God, it often leads to hopelessness in your life. And when a Christian loses hope, we lose everything. See, I want to argue with you for a little bit because some of you in the middle of a winter season, some of us not, we're like, just, you just need to take notes because it's, it's going to come for your life. Some of you, life is really good right now, and you're like, this is not going to be real relatable to your current season. But some of you, when I described winter, you say, that's me. Like, this is the season that that I'm in, and I want to argue with you for a moment, because some of you go, man, it's a bad season in my life. I want to argue with you that wintering is one of the most important seasons of your life. In fact, one woman wrote this. Her name was Catherine May. She wrote a book called Wintering. She has a blog or a podcast on wintering. I don't know anything about her. I don't even know that she's a believer, but she writes this perspective that I think has deep spiritual truth, and here's what she says. She says, wintering brings about some of the most profound and insightful moments of our human experience, and wisdom resides in those who have wintered. In our relentlessly busy contemporary world, we are forever trying to defer the onset of winter. We don't ever dare to feel its full bite, and we don't dare to show the way that it ravages us. She says, a sharp wintering sometimes would do us good. We must stop believing that these times in our life are somehow silly, a failure of nerve, or a lack of willpower. We must stop trying to ignore them or dispose of them. They are real, and they are asking something of us. We must learn to invite winner in. So let me just give you a few thoughts on how to win how to win winner. Like I, I, I want to get through winner, uh, and I want to get through it productive. If, if it's from God, I want to get everything that God intends for, intends for me through this season. I don't want to ignore it, and I don't want to limp my way through it. I want to walk through it and be better on the other side, right? And so here's a few thoughts that I had. Number one is just how to win winner. Number one, you got to stop persistently resisting it. You have to stop persistently resisting it. Anybody have any boys here? Boys, boy boy parents, boy parents, boy parents. Come on, raise your hand, boy parents. I many not even know boy parents and, and girl parents. Maybe you have both and you'll never know this, but I only have boys and I, I fully believe if you only have girls and we only have boys, we don't really understand each other. We know how to parent, right? But you parent differently. Like I don't have any girls and, and they're just different. Like boys and girls are just, I know, I know culture is gonna argue that they're not, but let's just, let's just stop that, okay? And so like let's, just don't even send me an email. And so it's just its just not, they're not the same. You're not wired the same. You know that if you're married, that person, that girl that you're married to is not the same as you. Am I preaching right? Like you, you, you're still trying to figure them out. You've been married 20 years. You don't know what to do. And so, so you're trying to figure them out. Don't, should I not move today? Okay, let's do that. And so like Boys and girls are different, and so I know if you if you parent girls, you probably parent differently. I'm not saying they don't play sports and they're not they don't like the rough house, but boys in general, they, they, they want physical touch. If you're a boy, like they want to they like they come out and they want to wrestle and they want to break things and they and and and, and they, they, they they their love language is punch, right? And, and and you know what I'm saying? Like how do I tell my boys I love them? Well, I them? punch them in the arm, right? That gimper. and so and, and they love wedgies and they love they love dirt, disgusting things. Like boys are just, they're just different. And so I spent the last 15 years of my life understanding this. Now some of my my kids are out of this, but the first 10 years of parenting, a lot of it is just spent wrestling, right? A lot of it is spent throwing them on the bed, flip me upside down, see how high you can, you can throw me. A lot of screaming, a lot of tears, like a lot of all that, a lot of, a lot of establishing when they're younger that I'm Mufasa, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not Mufasa, I'm Mufasa. And so like, just establishing that. It's like they know that. They'll try to test me, I'm sure, at some point, but I'm still going to be Mufasa. And so, uh, so I have a nine-year-old, and he's still kind of in the wrestling thing, and I've gotten older, and so, like, now, you know, it's sometimes wrestling, those games get a little lazier. And so for him, we established this this game. Uh, it's called the bear hug. And what I do is, because I'm, I, I, know how to, I know how to parent and I have all these hacks now, is uh, we'll wrestle, but wrestling involves me holding him down while I take a nap and he screams. And I call it bear hug. And I taught him, if you move, I squeeze tighter, right? And so as you move, I squeeze tighter. And so if you want me to let go and you want the bear to let go, you gotta stop moving and the bear will fall asleep, right? Right? And, and, and then you can get, get out and you win the game and I stay sleeping and so it's a great game and he'll ask me sometimes he's like I want to play bear hug and he just wants me to squeeze him and he'll scream and he'll let me go and you know like, what are you doing to him up there we're playing bear hug don't worry about it Leah and so sque- and he just gets so mad and I just, I just squeeze you stop I squeeze harder you, I mean you keep going I squeeze harder but when you stop right and I just tell him stop resisting Stop resisting. You resist. I squeeze harder. And I just, I, I got a visual image of God who sometimes wants to put us in a season of winter where he says, slow down. I got this. You're not ready to move forward yet. And what do we typically do when we want to move, move forward? We wiggle all over the place and we get all, you know, get all messed up. And we got to figure this out. And, we're and God's saying, the more you move, the harder I'm going to squeeze. If you would just relax, we can move forward stop persistently resisting When some of you get into a winner and you try to be God you got the type a people in here come on preach with me let me just give God an assist in this right I need a I need a husband I need a wife I've been waiting let me just kind of set this up get on every dating app and then it's just God just work this out for me it's just amazing I met this person well you met them because you're on 16 dating apps right And you filtered everything about you know like you didn't meet somebody you positioned yourself where it's impossible to not meet someone right like it's not that you were in church worshiping God and from heaven he dropped your spouse into your lap like you've been coming to a certain service because you saw somebody and you went on their Facebook page and you found out they serve at this spot and so you sir signed up to serve in that position so your past could in you know cross each other and now you've met the person of your dreams somehow miraculously by the miracle grace of God right like. No, that's not what happened. You decided to give God the assist, right? Like, I'm going to push my, my way. God, I need you to move a little bit faster in this, and I'm going to give God the assist so I can get out of this season. Here's what I want to tell you. You need to relax. You need to stop resisting this season. In fact, I, I was going through, you know, as I was studying this topic, I read about this one lady uh, who, who she was in a season of winter, and uh, she, she was a grandma, and one of her grandsons got sick. So she did everything she could to try to help God along. She prayed, that didn't work. She, she, she Googled, like she did all these things. And, and, and the more that she prayed and the more that she tried to get out of the season and the more that the season kind of persisted in her life, the more stress that she got and the more anxiety that she got. And she says, eventually I got to the point where instead of praying that God was going to fix it and praying that God would get me out of it and praying that God would change my season, she said, I prayed what I call a prayer of relinquishment. I relinquished control of my own life. I surrendered my will to his will, which, by the way, that looks a lot like Jesus." When Jesus came on the very last night of of, of his life on this earth before he would be put on trial and and be crucified for our sins, he knew what was coming because he was fully God and fully man, and so he knew he was going to the cross. He had watched people get crucified. He knew the type of pain that was coming, and here's here's what he said in Matthew 26. It says, then he said to his friends, those that were with him, his disciples, my soul's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little far, farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, "My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as You will." That's that's the prayer. And hey, I don't I don't want to be in winter. I want to be warm. I want to be in Florida spiritually. But God, if you're going to put me in this season, I'm going to pray a prayer of relinquishment. In fact, here's just write this down somewhere. Whatever season you're in, one of the most life-giving things you can do to create peace is to say yes to that season. God, I'm fully engaged in the season that you're calling me on. My eyes aren't fixed on anything else. Remember what it says in Isaiah about your life. Did you ever read what it says about your life? I love this concept. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the Clay, you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. You ever study that concept? I'm not an artist, I don't know anything about it, right? So I Googled it. And what it's a beautiful image of of the the, the strength and, and the sovereignty of God when He says, You're the clay, I'm the potter. Because if you ever watch a potter actually do what they do, their hands never leave the clay. They already know before they even start forming that clay what they're going to make. And they know already, here's how much I need to take off. Here's what I need to do. They've already thought the whole process out. And so what God's trying to say is, I'm that to you. But if I'm that to you, what does that make you? You're a lump of clay. And if a lump of clay tries to give itself meaning and take care of itself, it doesn't go very far. You you are you were built with the requirement and the need for, for the potter to guide and direct your life. So I'm going to stop persisting or, or resisting. Stop stop staying away from it. Stop running. Stop quitting. Stop trying to make it better every time it gets difficult. Stop questioning God. Stop stressing out. Prayer, pray a prayer of relinquishment. God, I'm going to say yes to whatever season that you've called me to. Number two is this. Develop what I would call planted perspective. Develop a planted perspective perspective. Perspective is everything. It's everything. Whatever season you're in, your perspective often determines your outlook and your attitude, and your attitude is everything, right? Like your attitude determines almost every aspect of of, of your life. That's why some of us are miserable in the winter, and some of us love it, right? Some of us are miserable because we have an awful attitude that stinks. It's cold. It's ridiculous. It's from hell. Satan is in control of this, and some of us go out, Oh, I love the cold, brisk air. I love the ski. I love cold. We, love, we, we get it, man. You're weird. And so like, I love, it's perspective. Like, right? Some of you woke up today, you went, oh, it's so cold. And then I watched some of you walk in. Like, like th- th- no jacket, just walking in like you own the place, right? Like, it's our perspective on it, and so I want to teach you something that I've been learning uh, as I've been going through this season. I've been reading a, a, a bunch of different uh, plans on the Bible app through seasons, and, and I went through this one, and it talked about this concept that is literally impacting my life, and I hope it'll in, impact your your life. It's a it's a concept that, that, that will teach you about a biblical perspective of when you're in a dark season of, of your life, and so uh, the person that did it started talking about and referencing planning, and so I am not a planner. I don't even like dirt, right? And so I don't want it on my fingers. Uh, it freaks me out. And so, but I'm going to do this for you guys to teach you this lesson because I love you. And so, uh, but I ordered, I went online and I ordered uh, bulbs, right? These bulbs, these, these flower bulbs. And these are the bulbs of Easter lilies. I don't know why lilies um, represent Easter, but they do. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. I didn't have time to Google it and I don't really care that much. And so, but I went online. I was like, I bet there's an Easter flower. Everybody's giving flowers, and it's the Easter lily. Now, you look at this, and it has, it's a bulb that looks kind of like the tulips of a flower, uh, the petals, right, of a flower. Not tulips. That is a flower. The petals of a flower, right, but it's still a bulb that needs to grow, and to be honest with you, it's its ugly. It's disgusting. It's, 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 it's nothing. These were, these were like, 16 for two dollars on amazon i'll give you the link if you want these right like it wasn't wasn't a lot to it and this is how some of you look and feel right now let's just be honest you just you just, and, and here's the thing about about this this lily bulb this lily bulb could all at once could say all right i'm gonna grow i'm gonna get pretty i'm gonna shine i'm gonna represent my jesus in a few weeks like i'm gonna do this and it can, I can hold it in my, the palm of my hand, and I can keep it in this bag, and I can stick it on my window still, and for the most part, it's just going to stay like this. So what does, a, what does a lily bulb need to do to become a flower? Anybody know? It needs to get planted in some dirt. That's what they tell me. Planted in some dirt, you know what season it goes in? In the fall. Somebody said summer, but my Google thing said fall. So you could take it up with that person. And you plant it in some, some dirt. Now, if this bulb is us and our life is bad already, and we were to be placed in a pot with some dirt, most of us spiritually, we're going from bad to worse. What are we doing? We're freaking out. I I thought I was going to see the light. I thought I was going to grow into this great person. I thought I was going somewhere special. I thought the best was yet to come, to which God would say, it absolutely is. But there's no dream without some dirt first. You can't go where I want you to go until you first let me put you into some season of darkness where I put you in an atmosphere where I can do some things in you. So what do you do? You cover it in dirt, right? And you begin to water it. And then in in the winter, it freezes up and that lily bulb is just in the ground and it's cold all around it, but it's already gotten situated to its elements and it's just resting. And then spring comes. Let's just pretend spring comes extra early this year. Can I get a amen? Amen week in February we don't care what the groundhog sees right like it just gets warm and all of a sudden it begins to shoot up right I wish I could do magic I would just bring it right bring it, but I can't and so right so I'm like is that your trick right like this is it right and so and it's buried and there's this I just want to show you something so in my in my uh in my uh my 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 devotion it said there's two types of mindset then in the pop in the dirt first one is what I'll call the buried, or buried, however you say it, the buried mindset, and when you get the buried mindset, what you actually get is a mindset that's filled with dark, darkness, uh, lostness, stuckness, forgottenness, The dirt is there to actually destroy you. The dirt feels like God has abandoned you. The dirt feels like God is letting you down. It feels like everybody else is getting farther ahead of you and you're still waiting in the dirt. But if you get a biblical concept, was the bulb buried or was it, was it, what was it? It was planted. Was Jesus, when he died on the cross and placed in the ground, if buried represents death and stuckness and lostness, was he buried in the ground or was he planted in the ground. The Bible says that he was placed in the ground, and on the third day, he rose from the dead to produce a harvest of righteousness, which was his church, and those that would get saved through what he did for us, right? He was not. He was not buried, technically. Technically, he was planted in in the ground, and so the next time you get into a situation where it feels like you're down in the dirt, I want you to remind yourself, I'm not being buried in the dirt. God's planting me in this situation to produce a harvest through my life. In fact, Planning represents newness, life, fruitfulness, future, growth, and strength. Buried is dead. Planted is life. I want you to develop a perspective of being planted in your life. In fact, I love this Bible verse in Isaiah 55. It says, I'm going to give you hidden treasures. Riches stored in secret places. So that you may know that I'm the Lord, the God of Israel, whom summons you by name. Could it be that he wants to teach you the most about his character through seasons when you're planted? Seasons when it feels dark, when it feels lonely, that he'll bring out the hidden treasures. You know how many times the Bible says that he'll reward what you do in secret and public? That there's things you can only learn in the privacy of your time with the Lord? Number three is this. The third thing is this. That's really important. I want you to begin to celebrate then the fact that if all that's true, that you're just in a season of, of getting prepared, that you're in a season of what I would call preparation that you're just in a season. In fact, uh, years ago I did a sermon on this. Uh, I, I preached the story of Joseph, I think, and I was going through the story of when he was called and then he went, he went through a season when he had to wait. I also use this very same concept for Elisha when he was called, but he had, he had to wait. Like he was called to be the next prophet, but he went through years before he was actually a prophet. Joseph was gonna be a ruler, but there was years that he was planted, right? He was put in a cell. He was planted in slavery. He was planted in lostness. He wasn't buried in those things, he, he was planted, right? And so you see this, and I told people, I said, listen, there will always be a, a time in your life between when God calls you and when you are actually ready to handle that call. So you might be called to be a parent, but you ain't ready yet. You might be called to be a spouse, like you're like, I want to get married, but well, you ain't ready. You ain't ready yet. You put all that pressure on that person to be your savior. They're going to let you down. You're going to be divorced. So Jesus has some work to do in your secret place to get you prepared to be the godly spouse that you're supposed to be. Some of you feel like you're called to own a business. That's great. but You're not ready yet. You're not ready to lead people yet. Sometimes I remember being called to be a pastor. I don't want to plant a church, but I certainly, at 25 years old, was not ready to do what God wanted to do in my life at 40. There was times in my life I had to go through this thing that I'll call the gap. What's the gap? The God-appointed preparation seasons of our life, the time between when God calls us and when God actually uses us. And here's the thing about the gap, nobody gets to skip it. We all want to because we're all in a hurry, right? I got places to be, God. I got things to do. I got the world to change here, God. I got a marriage to have. I got kids to have. I got to get through this, God. I got to go. God says, I got to to prepare you. God's, God's plan with that. His preparation always leads to disaster. So let me get you prepared. And so celebrate when you're in the winter saying to yourself, okay, God is getting me ready for something that I'm not yet ready to handle. And the reason that I'm not yet ready to handle is because it's bigger than I am right now. Should you celebrate that in your life? This is bigger than I am right now. It's bigger than I can handle right now. And the Bible says to whom much is going to be given, much is required. And so I'm going to trust them with this moment of my life of getting prepared. I'm going to celebrate it because nobody gets to skip it. You know what that's like. I remember a few years back, I used to take my kids to Chick-fil-A. It used to cost like $26. Now it costs $79 to go to Chick-fil-A. They used to get kids' meals. Now, now, now like they two, two, of, two of three go in there, and they literally get the biggest nugget meal possible. And I try to, I'm like, that's $16, right? And the, like, you can't get, but there was a time they would all just get four-piece nuggets. And, and, and sometimes they wouldn't even eat those things because they wanted the prize in, 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 the, in the kid's meal. And so I had to tell them, you have to eat the prize before you get the what? Or, or eat the food before you get the prize, right? You can't have the prize till you eat the food. And I remember my last child, Harrison, uh, telling me that he's probably three years old. I'm like this, you know this is you can get this prize but it's not even that good anyways and so it's gonna be a book or something like that Chick-fil-a does that and so be a book or something like that but you have before you open it up you got to eat your food because if you don't eat your food you open that prize if you're not going to eat your food I went to get a refill I came back his food was gone I'm like where's your food go? he's like I ate it I'm like bro it's been 30 seconds I know you. I made you, right? Like, we, we have this. And so I look in his bag, and he had, he had chewed up and spit out all of his nuggets and his fries and crumbled them up in his thing and put them in his bag and just tried to get the prize. And I don't lose. And so I'm like, I took him back out. I'm like, you're going to eat every one. I don't even care. <laughs> you want the prize? You got to eat the what? Got to eat the food. You, you, you want what God has for you. You got to go through what God wants to do through you first you you got to face the seasons God wants to take you through. you you got to go through the moments of preparation. And the last thing is this, the, the fourth thing you're going to do to win-winner, number, number four, is you're going to stay patient and resolve to wait on God. This one's important. How many people in this room, you're impatient? Don't raise your hand. You're impatient. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an epidemic in our culture. I'm not patient. I know the Bible says to be patient, but I don't want to be patient. could be the reason why so many of us have anxiety, by the way, because we're impatient. Like we have anxiety because we've already judged whatever we're going through and we are afraid of what we're going to. And instead of just patiently saying yes to the season God has called us in and resting in his sovereignty and his goodness and his strength, we try to do it on our own and the result is anxiety and fear, lack of sleep, uh, loss of health. Some of you blame your kids for your gray hair, right? You're like, you're graying me. It's not your kids. It's because you don't wait. Some of you uh, haven't waited so much you've got yourself into situations and then you blame God. (laughs) You ever been there? You're like, why'd you give me this spouse? And God's like, I didn't give, I'm not taking responsibility for them. You went there and you picked them and you pursued them. And I, I, was trying to get you to wait, and I'm gonna wait till eternity. But when we get to eternity, I'm gonna pull back the curtain and show who you, who you were supposed to have, and you're gonna be mad at yourself. That's, is that too real for you? Some of you, you're like, what? That's what happens. So you get in a hurry. You get in a hurry with your finances. You get in a hurry with your decisions. And God, He's really clear. Wait on Me. Wait on Me. So I, I'm just. I'm just going to get, like, I want to end with this. We're going to go into a time of worship because what I feel like is we don't understand. When we get into winter, oftentimes what we do is uh, we stop spiritually uh, going after the Lord. What I mean is we'll stop reading the Bible. We'll stop praying it doesn't work. We'll, we'll stop seeking his face. We'll stop worshiping. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop the things that, that are most important to our lives that maybe God in the season is saying, that's all I want you to do. All I want you to do is wait on me all I want you to do is pray, all I want you to do is read my word, all I want you to do is sit in my presence, all I want you to do is rest, all I want you to do is be patient, I don't need you to figure out anything else, I've already figured it out, so what do you do when you get in the middle of winter? Well, I can tell you what this bulb wants to do, this bulb, if it's like us, just wants to get out, right, it's dirty, I want to get out, I want to get out, and it, the bulb gets out, and what is, what is, what is the planner, or, the, or, or, or the, the, the gardener, what would the gardener say, get your bulb butt back in that dirt, that's that's how good get 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 yourself right and the bulb's like no 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 it's too dark it's been too long nothing happening i've been in here for four five six seven weeks nothing's happening and 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 the gardener will say yeah but if you get out nothing's gonna happen so what you need to do you need to get yourself let's just put you even deeper because you are you're a wily rascal you just keep getting out we're just gonna put you even deeper why why because god god what does he do he plants he plants for a harvest, right? So he puts you deep down in that dirt. And what's your job when you're deep down in that dirt? Just wait on God, be patient. Here's some problems of, of, of our life though, is uh, we, we not only are thinking about our own life, but we're thinking about the pace of everybody else's life through social media and everything else. And you're comparing your story to everybody else's. And instead, you need, your story is unique. Theirs don't matter. It doesn't matter what they're having, it doesn't matter how many babies they have, and you don't have any yet, doesn't matter that they got married already, and you didn't get married, and you tried, and you been you started before them, and their business is flourishing. And I remember even starting churches, looking at other people, your church is growing faster than mine. And what are you doing? And what can I do? And how can I get out of the, the dirt? Let me get out of the dirt faster. And in that season, what do you do? You just, you just wait patiently on the, the Lord. In fact, the Bible says this in Isaiah 40: even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, that word hope, by the way, in a lot of translations, you know what it is? Wait. Because you only wait because you hope. They're they're, they're interchangeable. Those that wait or hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, if you think about eagles, what's what's their main job? They got really big wings, almost too big for their own bodies. So what do they do? they put those big old wings out and they wait for their maker to send the right amount of air and they just soar that's that's why they fly so high They they just go their wings were made to catch their maker's air you ever noticed what the correct posture in winter for most of us needs to be hands held high prayer of relinquishment God I'm not in control you are God I'm just going to say yes to this season it's dark down here I don't have the answers but the Bible says if I would wait on you you'll renew my strength I'll run and not grow weary I'll walk and I will not faint I'm just going to wait on you I'm going to do what you asked me to do I'm not going to do the things I've already asked you to do I'm going to trust you ever do that? Don't you dare do the things that you've already asked God to do in your life. If you ask him to do it, then you wait for him to show up. I'm going to wait on the Lord in this season. and So that's what we're going to do. I just felt as I was uh, preparing this message, I just kept hearing that song that we sang a few years ago. Uh, some of you were here. Some of you weren't by Maverick City. And the title was just Wait on You. And the words as I listened to them and I went back to that song were just they're just timely like you're just gonna wait you're just you're just gonna be in this moment and you're just gonna stop trying you're gonna relinquish control that's the first step in victory I'm gonna relinquish control of my life by the way that's the first step to a relationship with God either he's in control or you're in control but it doesn't go both ways you don't control a little bit, and in the parts where he's letting you down, you take control of a little bit, and then when you need help, you're like, okay, help me, God. You either give him all of you or none of you. I'm gonna give you every part of my life, my dreams, my hopes, my fears, my past, my future, my struggles, uh, my questions, my, I, I don't know what to do, God, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna wait on you. Prayer of relinquishment, a new perspective, he wants to do something great in my life, what does he got to first do? He got to plant me. I'm not, I'm not buried. I'm not forgotten. God's not against me. He's for me. I'm planted. And as I'm planted, I'm going to remind myself that he is getting me prepared to do something incredible through my life. So what's my job? Some of you tried to get out that dirt. You did it even this week. What's your job? Get your bulb. What? Everybody tell me. But there you go. Don't, Don't write that down somewhere. That's from the Lord. I promise you. The Holy Spirit. We invited him into the room and he spoke. That's, that's it. Just as normal as that. Get your bald butt back in the dirt. Just put yourself back in the dirt. I know nobody's watching. I know nobody cares. I know nobody sees you. I know nobody recognizes you. I, I, I know nobody is valuing you. I, I know people are passing you. I know it's scary. I, I, I know you're worried. I know, I know all that. Just what are you supposed to do? Put yourself back in the dirt. There's no God dream without some dirt in your life. Let everybody else move forward. Don't compare your story with anybody else's. You serve the one who's in control, and I promise you, he is trustworthy. I promise you, he hasn't gotten you this far to only get you this far, amen? He has your entire story figured out, start to finish. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. You can relinquish control to him. Would you stand to your feet all over this place, and would you bow your heads, and would you close your eyes with me? All over our houses, maybe that's you. You're struggling with uh, wintering. You've been trying to get out of it. And the Spirit of God wants to push you back in. Not because he's against you. Not because he's forgotten you. Not because he's angry with you. Not because he's distant with you. It's because he cares. He's the gardener of your soul. You can trust him. Some of you, you just need to say that to yourself. I can trust you, God. I can give you control of my life. And you will never let me down. The Bible says you will never leave me. If you're honest, some of you, that's your number one fear. You have to be in control and you have to figure things out and you have to make a way. And nobody's ever taken up for you. No one's ever been there for you. Everybody's always let you down. And that's the voice of Satan, just so you know. And the voice of Satan is trying to convince you that there's not a God out there that loves you, cares for you, died for you. Is here for you. So let me just take this moment before we, we sing uh, and give you an opportunity at both of our campuses. I think that prayer is a beautiful prayer. The prayer of relinquishment. Where you relinquish control. You, you, give, up, you give up your life and your control and you give it to God. It's, it's a powerful thing. When you try to control your life, let me. anxiety is going to fill it because you know you are in very little control if you're honest with yourself. You're not in control of your future. Heck, you couldn't control your past. You try to control your emotions, but you're filled with bitterness and rage because of things that have been said to you and done to you. And You live your life just in response. That's what we do outside of God. We live our life in response of what's been said and done to us. But there's, there's a Jesus. There's a God. And that God came to us. And when he came to us, he offered himself to us. He sacrificed his life in our place on a cross. The Bible says that he was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose in power. And it's through him that we have forgiveness of sins, that we can receive joy, that we get purpose, that we get the promise of eternity, that we get the protection of a God who is for us, not against us, that we get real rest, like real rest. Like I can rest in who you are and what you wanna do in and through my life. And listen, that's when life begins. Life begins when you stop trying to control and manipulate and figure out the future of your life and you rest in the one who already has it figured out. I'm gonna rest in you. I'm gonna receive you. I'm gonna relinquish control of my life. It's a beautiful moment. The Bible says if you humble yourself that God will lift you up. I'm going to humble myself. I don't have it all together. I'm not as good as I say that I am. Jesus Christ, I need a relationship with you. That's how the Bible says you start a relationship. Not through a class. Not through joining a church. Not through cleaning yourself up. Not through fixing your past. You come to Jesus a mess, and he receives you just as you are. He's here. First step. God, I'm going to relinquish control of my life. I'm going to give you my life. I want you to forgive my sins and set me free. I want to pray with you as we close, if that's you. As I've been talking, you've been struggling. It actually feels like your entire life has been a winner. Like your life has just been filled with sorrow and darkness. But I can tell you when you, come, when you come to God that he brings meaning from the meaningless. That he can restore what's been broken. That he can bring joy and peace to those even with the deepest depression, that he can do it, only him. So the Bible says, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he would meet you here right now. So if you don't know him, but you need to all over this place, and you would say, hey, I don't, I don't know Christ, but I need to relinquish power of my life. I've tried to control it, and it hasn't worked. And you're talking to me right now. And today I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. If you're in Montgomeryville, if you're here, if you're watching online and you say, hey, that's me, that's me. If you're physically able all over our houses and you would say, that's me, I just want to shoot your your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're speaking to me right now. I need to relinquish control of my life. I I need to give God uh, the rightful spot. I, I, I need to ask him to be my Lord and my Savior. If you're in Montgomeryville, would you just keep your hand held high? Maybe you're online, you're not physically with us, and you would just write, hey, I'm in this season of my life, and I, I'm just giving, I'm going to give control to God. And you just type it right there in the chat to the person who's moderating, and they're going to let me know. Maybe you're here, and uh, I asked you to raise your hand. You didn't at first, but you know that's you. That's you. You let a little bit of fear uh, keep you away, a little bit of discouragement, uh, just all those feelings. that's I want to encourage you, man. Get outside your feelings. Step into truth. Don't worry about the person to your right or left. You're surrounded by a bunch of people that, that know they need God, that know without him we're hopeless and lost. And we want nothing more if we know him than for you to know him as well. And so maybe you didn't raise your hand, but as I pray, uh, you would pray something like this all over this house. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for this day. And I thank you, Lord, that you, you meet me. Uh, in these moments of my life that I thank you Lord right now all over this house that you are meeting people right where they're at Lord that you are coming into their hearts they're inviting you maybe just in in a really honest way man uh, not even a prepared prayer Jesus I can't do this on my own anymore And so I relinquish power. Uh, I I relinquish control. Uh, God, I give you everything. I give you my fear. I give you my past. I give you my anxiety. I give you everything. And Lord, as they humble themselves in your your sight, Lord, you're lifting them up. You're meeting them right where they're at. And Lord, I also pray for those in this room that as we get ready to go into worship, Lord, that sometimes uh, we overcomplicate things. And so we've been searching and searching and trying to figure our way out of this winter season and how to make it end. And we've been seeking your face. But then we stopped and we've been trying to do it on our own. And sometimes the simplicity of the truth, it it evades us. So here's the truth. What do we do in the middle of a winter? We wait on you. We lift our hands We proclaim your truth over our lives. We walk out of this place with the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we keep going. God, as long as you call us to the season, we're going to be faithful to see it through. Thank you, Lord, that you're encouraging somebody in this moment, Lord. Lord, would you inhabit, the Bible says, that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so as we end this time worshiping, Lord, would you do something significant? Holy Spirit, would you shift somebody's heart? Uh, Would you change their attitude? Would you encourage them in their situation? Would, Would they leave this place a brand new, changed person? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.